Welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. In this episode, you'll hear me, Jenny Scholick, the Associate Director of Audience Engagement, in conversation with principal dancer Joseph Walsh. This interview was recorded on Sunday, January 27th, 2019, before a performance of Helgi Thomason and Yuri Posakov's Don Quixote. Hope you enjoy. Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to the very first Sunday Meet the Artist talk of the 2019 season. Um, I am Jenny Scholick. I'm the Associate Director of Audience Engagement here at San Francisco Ballet, and I am so pleased to be here today with principal dancer Joseph Walsh. Hi, everyone. <clears throat> Before we get going, a few little items of housekeeping. Um, For one, keep on trickling in um, to open seating for these Meet the Artist talks, and then you can find your real seats after we're done. Um, Also, these Meet the Artist talks are part of um, our series of audience engagement programs that we do here at the ballet. Um, And I'd like to draw your attention to a couple. For one, these talks are recorded and available by podcast um, about a week after they happen. You can find those um, San Francisco Ballet, Meet the Artist on any podcast player. Uh, In addition, we have a Wednesday night series called the Points of View Lectures. Our first one is this upcoming Wednesday. It's a season preview with Helgi Thomason, our artistic director and principal choreographer. And we have a few ticketed programs. Um, One that I will draw your attention to is called Exploring Etudes, happening in early February. Uh, And we'll feature a panel with uh, Johnny Eliason, who's the repetitor for the ballet here, and Lise Lander, who is its rights holder and one of its most famous ballerinas. So you can find those programs uh, on our website under events. All right, that's my housekeeping. So with no further ado, I am here with Joseph Walsh, who uh, joined the company as a soloist in 2014 from Houston Ballet and very quickly was promoted to principal that same summer. And we are so pleased to have him back with us this year. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So um, I'm going to start with a real sort of softball question. It's a Sunday morning. You're not performing today. What does your morning look like? Um, so yesterday was my premiere of this ballet that you're about to see, Don Q. Um, and I'd never done Basilio, so I feel pretty trashed today, like (laughs) garbage body, like everything's feeling pretty dried up. Um, and not to mention I had a few beers after the show. So, you know, there's, there's all these kind of things that pile up, uh, making the morning uh, a little bit later than usual. Um, But I got in, and I I just took class with the company, um, and I finished up after bar and just did some stretching and um, looking forward to having some lunch. And you got, you know, you're in, like, street clothes, so you could be out here and talk to all these great people. All right, so let's go back. Um, I'm going to get back to Don Quixote and your debut yesterday, but let's start at the very beginning. How did you get into dance as a kid? So uh, when I was three years old... um, I think even before that, my sister was dancing in a small school in Pennsylvania, uh, Doylestown. And we, she, my parents used to take me to see her perform and see classes. And by the time I was like three years old, I had decided that I needed to be in the Nutcracker. And the, the role that I was um, given was the elf 
Um, I used to like move presents around on stage, like, and the boxes that the dolls came out in, and you know, like, get lifted up by Drosselmeyer because I was the tiniest one. It's, I, did, I didn't even know Nutcracker had an elf. It, it was so definitely I'm... like specific to that <laughs> version. They needed like more kids on stage. Get everyone up there. The, the more kids on stage, the more parents in the audience, right? It's still true. So um, from, from your early days as an elf, you moved to Walnut Hill Academy. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Yeah, so Walnut Hill was, is a very special place to me. Um, it is a performing arts boarding school that has five majors, one of each major art. And I was actually in uh, the academy program of Walnut Hill. Um, my sister, again, uh, was there, had been deciding between a few different places to go for a summer program. And so she had known about Walnut Hill, but she had ended up going to North Carolina for that year that she was looking to go. So when we moved from Pennsylvania to Connecticut to Boston, uh, we were looking for another school to join. And my sister mentioned Walnut Hill. We called later that day, and um, as my parents will... I mean, I, they're here tonight, so I, I, today. But I think I'm saying this right. But they, uh, they rang the school up, asked if I could join, and if there were any spots. And they said, there's absolutely no spots. And they were like, okay, well, he'll just have to try somewhere else. And they said, did you say he? <laughs> Bring him on in. Um, so that that schooling started. <laughs> that schooling started at around like 11, um, and I was in the the academy program, and then went into high school. I skipped eighth grade and went straight into the ninth grade program to dance with the high schoolers. And like throughout my seventh grade year, when I was in public school, still I was able to leave half days and go and work with the high school so that I would start like easing my way into uh, the program. Very cool. From there, you went to Houston and then to here. Can you tell us a little bit about what attracted you to San Francisco Ballet? Um, I think that Houston was an amazing place for me to learn how to be a principal dancer. It was um, kind of, you're thrown into parts uh, earlier than in most companies. It's a smaller company than here. Uh, so it afforded me a lot of time on stage that I wouldn't necessarily have gotten going to a larger company first. Um, and once I was kind of had done, like, once the ballet started coming back around in Houston, I felt um, it was just a time for me to think about possibly moving on and not really wanting to see my career just landing in one uh, company for the whole entirety of it. So, <clears throat> speaking of opportunities, you had a big one yesterday with the debut in Basilio and Don Quixote, um, which I did get to see at least most of and was fabulous. You should all come back later this week and catch it again. <clears throat> um, do you remember the first time that you saw Don Quixote, the ballet? Um, thanks, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, I think that it was probably a video of Baryshnikov that, like, many people, you know, one of those Koltar videos from, you know, it's, like, completely disintegrated at this point from watching it so many times. Um, that's the ABT version with Cynthia Harvey. Um, and that's 
probably the first one that I saw and like the only one you need to see. <laughs> and it, it is on YouTube, guys. Yeah. So you can find anything on YouTube, including that video. Um, so this ballet uh, was choreographed by Marius Petipa to music by Ludwig Minkus in 1869. And our version is inspired by the 1902 Alexander Gorsky remake. Um, and one of the great things about the ballet is it is taken from a very small section of the book. You really don't need to have read the book in full to understand what's going on in this ballet. But Joe, for new audience members, could you give us a little synopsis of what this ballet is about? Yeah. So, I mean, it's like a classic kind of uh, love story. Uh, it's a little spicier than some of the others. Uh, it kind of follows... Uh, Basilio and Kitri through this kind of like adventure of trying to stay together and the father wants um, Kitri to marry a rich guy named Gamash um, who is very well dressed um, and uh, yeah you kind of just like follow this like trials and tribulations uh, throughout the ballet and there's it's mostly about the dancing honestly like this is not necessarily like a story ballet that you come to like see this like massive story arc it's really about like the power that you're putting into the role as a dancer and like you're seeing the athleticism in such a major way and it's kind of you know uh, akin to like a circus and at some points you know you 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 don't really understand how it goes uh, like how it happens and i think having the premiere yesterday I was going into it thinking like I had never really saw my seen like thought of myself in this role just because I'm more of like that kind of like actor in terms of full-length ballets and uh, I was proud to feel like I accomplished it and um, you know like was able to do all the turns and all the jumps and all the lifts and all that stuff and uh Having Mona out there, too, with me was, like, fantastic. You know, it was a great, great time. All right, so you <clears throat> hit on a bunch of things that I want to come back to. But let's start with um, that it was a role you hadn't really envisioned yourself in necessarily. So when you found out that you were cast in this part, what was kind of your approach to getting into it and learning it and finding yourself in it? Um, so like you're saying, it's not really – you don't really have to read the book for this one. Um, it's not, like, for instance, one of my f first couple roles were, like, uh, Lensky in Onegin, so you can read that book, and um, Romeo and Juliet, things like that. And, and I feel like it really does help to uh, read those things before you tackle the choreography. Um, for this, it's really, like, it is, like, it's a YouTube fest. You're, like, going on, seeing all these different versions. You're asking all the artistic staff, like, what their ideas are. I was, w w uh, we worked with Ricardo Bustamante on this. He was our coach. Um, and he's got, like, such style when he is showing it that it immediately I can, like, be a sponge and kind of imitate and see. Because it's not really my natural way. Um, a lot of times I've seen Basilio, and I kind of think he's, like, uh, not the greatest guy. He, he's, like, hitting on other women, and, like, he's, like, a little bit of a prick. Um, <laughs> but I tried my best to, like, reel that in and make him somebody that's a little bit more approachable, and, and it's really uh, centered my, my uh, 
idea of it was just to center it around the relationship and try and make it more of this like story ballet. Mm-hmm. So speaking of the relationship, you mentioned that you debuted this role yesterday with sort of brand new soloist, Mona Park. Um, She's fairly new to the company, so it's obviously a new partnership for you guys. How do you approach that when you have a new partner for a big debut like this? Um, Wona is, like, extremely smart and so there, like, right from the beginning. We we found out, um, I mean, how long have we been back since the break? It's been, like, three weeks? Three weeks. We found out three weeks ago. Um, and we just started putting this together bit by bit, slowly, um, with the help of a lot of people, but mostly it's just, you know, on our off time, going in and watching other couples do it, um, being there and, like, starting to get to know each other and kind of how how she works, how I work. Um, so you, you end up spending a lot of extra time just, like, trying to figure each other out uh, so that when it comes time and you don't you don't have the ability to say, all right, let's do such and such when you're on stage like people can see you talking so you, you don't have that opportunity and you just have to know um, that you you trust each other enough that you're gonna do the same amount of turns at this certain point or you know the musicality exactly together and um, she's very natural uh, and so calm about tackling such a epic role that um, I was very pleased to be out there with her yesterday awesome um, you've mentioned, you know, watching other couples, watching YouTube, um, working with your partner to kind of understand what you're each going to be doing at any moment. So, you know, the question is, how much leeway is there in a part like this? You know, how completely set is the choreography? How much interpretation do you guys get, you know, with a variation and what ha- what's happening in there, that kind of a thing? Um, I think it's kind of because it's such a... Um, dance-driven role, uh, there are, it's really like, first and foremost, like, how do you show yourself the best? Mm -hmm. What's your, what's your specialty? Um, What's your best turning combination? Things like that. So a lot of times, um, especially in male variations, there's like a little bit more room for uh, changing it up. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know really why that is but sometimes like the female variations always like you get like one or two sections that you can kind of change up um but a lot of it is like choosing where your arm goes or like how you finish a jump and what makes you look the most stylish and what makes you feel the best and what you can consistently do every day when you're running it and you're tired and by you know it's just uh it's kind of like whatever makes you feel most in the role, I think. Mm -hmm. And so there are a lot of options, but... Great. So I want to look forward a little bit to the rest of the season. We've got a really exciting season coming up, a lot of um, switching between classics like Don Quixote and Sleeping Beauty, and then to more contemporary work, uh, both some new works and some things coming back from Unbound. And that kind of switching is something this company does a lot, and that I think you in particular do quite a lot of and do seemingly with ease. Is that something that comes from your training, that ability to switch back and forth? Um, I think, uh, yeah, that was, well, first of all, that's going back to a few questions. That's kind of one of the main reasons that I came to San Francisco Ballet. I, I, I was drawn by the amount of 
new material that they were putting on and the new pieces and the new choreography. It's just like, the, it's the only place in the world that really does, does it the way that Helgi's programmed it. Um, and I think that my training, I had a lot of um, modern, like kind of like Limon-based modern dance mm -hmm. in high school, and then um, some improvisational workshops that I did like through summer programs that were a lot to do with Forsyth. Um, and like one one summer was with like Jessica Lang, so it, it's uh, you kind of companies coming through YBCA this year, yeah. I think here. Yeah, and um, so that you kind of learn through these like workshopping moments how to adjust to new people coming in and creating something on you very quickly. And uh, here it is like that to the nth degree when, especially for something like Unbound, people come in every four weeks, or every three weeks, I think it was. Um, three weeks. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And you're doing a whole, like, 25-minute ballet. So speaking of Unbound, you got to work with four choreographers two summers ago. I guess it still feels like last summer to me, but it was two summers ago. Um, and unfortunately, we didn't get to see you in those ballets last year. You were out with an injury. But we will see you back in at least at least three of them yeah. this season, right? So what should we be looking forward to seeing you in, and what are you excited about? Um, yeah, so I, last season I was out. I had a knee injury, um, and a lot of it was because of this kind of... I just was pushing myself, like, extremely hard, and it was an injury that I'd had for a long time, but it just, like, was aggravated in this way that I didn't realize I was doing. Um, but... Also, switching back and forth between the classical and the, those those uh, creation times were really tough on my body. Um, so I've kind of learned what I need to do before I switch now, because um, I'm not as young anymore. Um, None of us are. <laughs> but I'm really I was able to premiere um, the David Dawson Anima Animus uh, and Hurry Up We're Dreaming in the Kennedy Center earlier this season um, in October. And that was some of the most like special times on stage because it was just being able to like actually be out there and um, watching it from the audience, it was beautiful. But I just was so devastated, you know, like not being able to be up there and to show the audience what kind of effort we put into these. And like, it just, yeah, it was a tough, tough time last year. But, um, I'll be doing Hurry Up again in London, mm -hmm. and for... And I, for Sensorium, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it is not completely officially announced, but Sensorium is coming back this year, and tickets go on sale Friday. Yeah. So mark your calendars. Um, and Anima Animos is like one of... That was the the best thing to watch from the audience for me. I was... My jaw was on the floor. It was the first time I'd ever sat in the grand tier. Um... Can you hear me? Sorry. It was the first time I'd ever sat in the Grand Tier, and everyone looked amazing. And it was just like I was screaming. So that is one of the most challenging pieces I've ever done. Um, it's very close to something like a vertiginous thrill of exactitude, but for 20 minutes, not just 10 minutes. Um, and then, what's the last one? Um, 
Bjork. Bjork. Bjork Ballet. <laughs> and that we're doing in the season. And that was one of, again, one of those moments that working with Arthur Pita, I pulled so much from my time in school and through these uh, summer programs that I had gone through because he did a lot of um, uh, improvisational techniques where he would take lyrics from Bjork's songs and make us letter by letter kind of like put it into this telephone booth shaped um, like diagram with A, B, C, D on each, you know, each level going up. Um, and so then you'd have to like reach around with your body and try and touch these letters to spell out the whole sentence. And it took, it, you just looked around in the room and it was just like all of these crazy people, like just everyone reaching around and like trying to do all these crazy moves. Um, and so I ended up choreographing the, the solo kind of with alongside Arthur. Um, and it's the masked, masked guy that the fisherman so I'm really excited to premiere that, too. Great. So we do have some time for some audience questions, if we have them. Um, if you could just raise your hand, I will repeat the question after you so everyone can hear it. Yes, right here. So the question is, what do you do with your free time? Should you have any free time? Uh, um, we do have some free time. Um, Lauren, my wife, and I, uh, we usually try and... Um, do some new cooking. We're like really in, like she's an amazing cook and baker and like everything. She is kind of like all around. Just blows my mind with like all the different kinds of um, things that she can do. Besides when we're at at the ballet, um, but it kind of uh, it depends. Like if we have extra time, we'll cook. If we have extra time, we might just like watch a movie. Um, Netflix is an amazing tool for free time killing. Um, walk your dog. Walk, we, yeah, we walk our dog um, some days if he wants to. He's an English bulldog, and he's super lazy. Um, so he's great because if he's laying down and happy, then we can just kind of lay down next to him and be happy. Yes, right here. The question is, what happened to your sister's dance career? Um... My sister danced until she was around, I think, 19 or 18, like right before or just after graduating high school. Um, and she just kind of stopped and went to college and was fulfilled with what she had done. Um, she actually, after going to business school, ended up going to uh, culinary school here in San Francisco. And that's also one of the things that brought my attention to the ballet company here because I'd come out and visit her. And then I'd come and sneak and see a show and admire and that was one of the again one of the things that kind of drew me so my sister's been a massive help to me <laughs> through my career question <laughs> two-part question one is outside of class how much other cross training or strength training do you do and two what is your dog's name <laughs> uh, my dog's name is orson like wells um <laughs> And what I usually do is, like, on a day off or um, in the morning or something, we, I'll go to the gym a little bit, um, do something kind of akin to, like, I guess a workout. I don't know. It's, like, my own thing. Like, whatever I feel needs extra 
um, attention, then I'll do that. But on my time off, I like injured last year, I spent a ton of time at active care with um, Lisa, who's like a huge help to all the dancers and and many other uh, people. But uh, if I'm off for like a week, say, um, like this past week in January, I would just go to the gym every morning, do like a floor bar that I learned through Henry Berg in the ballet, who's been here for so long, and he's an amazing tool for the dancers. Um, so I'll do that, and then I'll do like uh, one of the best cross-training exercises for dancers. I think is rowing, especially for like men, because you don't. It's like a coordination of like lower legs and upper body, and it just yeah, it helps a lot. So the question is, who inspired you the most in ballet? Um, I think. So early on, it was just kind of that, like, that pull, that, like, need to be a part of that studio that I was looking into or the, a part of the community that ballet creates and the, um, the aesthetic of it. Um, but I think that maybe more specifically, like, trying to become a professional dancer, like, reali- realizing that that was actually a thing was when I was living in Boston and I'd go, my parents um, had season tickets and we'd go to see Boston Ballet and had like awesome seats, like kind of over there with like a nice like leg room. And it was just like always the best part of the month when we'd get to go to the ballet. And I would see these men on stage, like Simon Ball, somebody that I danced with in Houston um, later on when he had left Boston Ballet. It was like they became my idol, you know, like these... Um, these like living idols that you can like go and stand at stage door and see them afterwards and just kind of be in awe and it pushed me to then improve in ballet class every day when I'd go in and that's that's kind of what um, made me think I could do it I think we have time for one last question so two-part question again. Uh, what else will you be in this season besides Unbound Roles, and what are your dream roles? Um, I literally, like, get to work, and I'm just, like, look at the schedule, and I'm like, what's today? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, there's not... And, like, I had to, like, look to see what the next two programs were, honestly. Um, so it's, like, Anima, and I'm in Etudes. Uh, I'm in... Um, Something else. Divert. 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 Uh, <laughs> yeah. The Millipier? No, no, I'm not in the Millipier, unfortunately. Um, but that, yeah, it's honestly like, it's a really hard thing to like, <laughs> to think about something that's coming. Um, but I think hopefully I'll get to do Sleeping Beauty this year. I was supposed to do that last season. Um, I, I think there's. What else is there? Shostakovich. Shostakovich, yes. That I'm like pumped about. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm in Symphony Number no. 9 and Chamber Symphony. Are you in either of the two new ballets, Yuri or Liam? Yeah, and Yuri and Liam's. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, I have no idea what's going on. Um, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get to March. March feels like a really far it's so way away. Far away. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I was actually just talking with Yuri uh, about the piece last night. We were talking about what we could um, kind of, like, add to it or, you know, work with. Because um, we did that earlier in the season, but I think he's now kind of seen what the sets are going to look like and wants to add to that. Um, it's a really, really special solo that I'm really excited to show everyone. Um, 
amongst the group. Like it's a big it's a big piece. Um, and Liam's piece we worked on earlier in the season, and um, Lauren and I are actually dancing together in that. Um, and it's really a wonderful piece, and it's very like English feeling. It reminds me a lot of some. I don't, I don't know. It's it's a really it's beautiful. And we're going to have to call it. It is 1.30. So thank you guys all so much for being here. Thank you, Joe. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. For more podcasts and other audience engagement programs, check out sfballet.org or your favorite podcast player.